Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist Pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ. And now the message. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12, we see God's Word, our help. God's Word, it's our help. Let's begin by reading Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. Word of God says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in, the furnace of, in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful this evening that we can be here. We're grateful that we can come to your word for help. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to us this evening. In Christ's name I ask, amen. This evening, as we come to this passage, we're going to work our way through the, through the passage here, but I just wanted to take a moment and point out verse number six to us, because this evening, I'd like for us to look at the words of God. And the preeminent attribute here that we find is that they are pure words, so pure that it gives us a picture of how pure they actually are. As we work our way through the passage, we'll, we'll begin, and the very first word is help. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Help. What is the problem? The problem that's presented here for us, the reason why we would be crying out for help, is because the godly man has ceased and the faithful fail from among the children of men. Let's read further about the problem. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Here's the further problem. Who have said, with our tongues will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? And here's the problem that we see in this passage. The godly man has ceased. The faithful fail from among the children of men. And what has happened and what happens when the godly cease and the faithful fail is that it results and it comes out in their speech. And so we see contrasted with the words of God, which are pure, we see the words of the ungodly. And we see that they are rebellious. We see that they are vanity. We can work through that there. They speak vanity one with another. They have flattering lips. That's ungodly. They have a double heart, and out of that do they speak. And furthermore, God is in opposition to those flattering lips. In verse number four, they're speaking of there is no one who will rule our lips. There is no one that is Lord over us, and they are rebellious in their heart, and therefore they are rebellious in their speech. And by contrast, there's a great contrast between the words of the ungodly and the words that are pure from the word of God. Notice, secondly, we see not just the problem, we see the cause, God's cause in this matter. Verse number five, we see God's cause for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. God's cause, the reason that God is his action, now will I arise, saith the Lord. It is for the oppression of the poor and for the sighing of the needy. And that is those who are crying for help. I'm grateful that I, as God's child, although at times may feel, uh, may feel poor and needy, although at times I might feel oppressed and sighing in my need, that I can call out to help to my Heavenly Father. That is something that we can all do. Help, Lord. And by the way, our relationship with God 
that salvation that we can have in Jesus Christ, that relationship begins when someone realizes their need for help. And salvation comes and begins from that cry of help, that seeking of help, whenever that, that individual, the ungodly who is separated from God in his sin, who is at enmity at God, with God, who is separated because of his sin, he realizes his need and he cries out for help. He cries out in repentance, seeking for that relationship with God. And God hears those that are not, not rebellious, not those that have a heart and, a, and lips that are anti and against God, but God hears those that humble themselves and cry out to God for help. I'm so thankful that God heard my cry at the age of six whenever I called out to God and by faith trusted Him as my personal Savior. That was a call for help. I recognized the need for my salvation, and that is something that every child of God has done as they have put their trust in Jesus Christ. Now, that is God's cause to, to help the poor and the needy. Now, look at God's response. God's response, we see that He speaks. Verse number five there, now will I arise, and note this phrase, saith the Lord. You know, whenever we come to the Word of God, we need to be aware that whenever God speaks, it's important that we listen. Whenever God speaks, we can know and we can trust that what He says will be accomplished. Whenever God speaks, we know that His words are not double-tongued. We know that His words are not flattering. We know that His words are not rebellious words or prideful words, but they are pure words. Let me read something here for you about the Word of God. This is something that has been written, authors unknown, but I found it and thought it would be something of benefit to us. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding. Its histories are true and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, and hell disclosed. The Lord Jesus Christ is its grand object, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. Let it fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be obeyed, or it is given to you in life, will be opened in the judgment and remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility and will reward the highest labor and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. This is speaking of the Word of God. In verse number 6, we see a picture here of the Word of God. We find that whenever we see the words of the Lord, they are pure words, so pure that they are, and here's the picture given, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now we could say, and this would be absolutely true, the Word of God has been tried throughout the ages. This is, it has been tried by those who have see, sought its destruction, it has been tried by those who have believed its truths, and it has been found established and faithful and pure. Whenever we see this picture that's brought up, the, 
God didn't see fit just to say the words of the Lord are pure words. He said, let me paint you a picture. Let me give you an illustration so that you can just know how pure and how precious the word of God is. And so he says this, the words of God are so pure, they're as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Now, no doubt you're familiar with the process of purifying precious metals. Um, and what would be happened there is the metal would be put into a furnace. It's heated up. As we know, the dross that impurities would come to the top. It would be scraped off the top. And then they would, could put it back into the fire to purify it again. And they could do it again. In this, in this passage here, though, it says it's so pure that they purify. It's as if it was purified seven times. It is purified beyond being pure. It's already pure after the second or third time, but it's purified again. It's purified again. It's purified again. And that is how pure the word of God is. That is how pure God's words are for us. Now, I think there's a valid question for us to ask ourselves whenever we come to this passage and we read about God's word. And we know that the Old Testament was written largely in Hebrew. We know that there's also portions of Scripture written in Aramaic and in Greek. And we have the Word of God today in English. And so I think a good question here, and I'm, I'm going to pull out some larger notes here that I brought just for some, um, I guess, conciseness here. But I think a question that we ought to ask ourselves, and we do due diligence to ask ourselves, is this. Do we have, do we still have the pure words of God today? Do we still have them today? After all, if God's words are so precious and they're so pure and they contrast so vastly with that of this world and the ungodly, I think we ought to ask ourselves, do we still have the pure words of God today? Now let me take a moment, just go to some notes here that I've, that I've put together on this. And just so for conciseness, I'm going to do a lot of reading out of here so we can move through this. But to give a little history on the Word of God here, by June 30th, 1604, King James I had approved a list of 54 translators. An elaborate set of rules was contrived to curb individual proclivities and to ensure the translation's scholarly and nonpartisan character. Sponsored by the king, the King James Version of the Bible was published in the year 1611 and later revised in the year 1769. Now let's take a few moments and look at how God has preserved his pure words for us today. After all, whenever we hold the word of God in our, in our laps this evening, um, I mean, maybe there's someone here. I did sit next to someone, not in this church, but in another church, and he had his Hebrew Bible in one hand and his Greek New Testament and the other, and I thought, wow, I'm glad he can read that. I sure can't. Not to be able to sit through a, uh, a service and hear the preaching and follow along, that's incredible. But I'm grateful that I still have the pure words of God here today in my hand. They preserved for us in English, but 2 Peter verse one or chapter 1, verse 21 says this, speaking to the word of God and how it was given to men. Holy men of God spake as they were moved, by the Holy Ghost. Now the recipients of these writings circulated the originals to as many as possible. Christians copied these originals before they were either lost or worn out. As accurate copying continued, the Lord's promise began to be fulfilled. Isaiah 40 verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The King James Version has been translated from the received text. The origin of the received text comes from God's children through the generations. Written in Koine Greek, the common language of the people of that era, every man, woman, and child that possessed the ability to read had access to the Word of God. Regarding its preservation, the received text holds a distinct pattern. Christians through the ages recognized and received God's Word the perspective and objective of the received text compilers were to find and compile a text from the manuscripts that had already been accepted by the children of God. Now, who are these children of God we're speaking about? The Byzantine Empire was the center of Christianity in that time, and Christians living in the Byzantine Empire compiled the manuscripts that make up the received text. God used Christians living in the geographical center of Christianity to preserve His Word. Men should not possess authority above God, but when God uses men in a great way, attention is demanded. Men that we are familiar with, such as Billy Sunday, D.L. Moody, George Mueller, John Wesley, and George Whitfield, hold two things in common. They were greatly used by God, and they all used the King James Version. It is evident, uh, we also see if we would look at mainly English-speaking countries, that all revivals that we know of, um, maybe not the Asbury Revival here of recent, but all of the revivals that we know of in the U.S. and in England, they were using the King James Version of the Bible. It is evident that God has preserved His Word and shown Himself mighty through the received text. Let me jump ahead here. The received text has an outstanding track record in its influence on believers throughout the ages. Matthew 4.4 4 says, But He answered and said, We're moving from the... Um, are two different things that we're looking at in, in this question of can we and can we say that we have the pure word of God in our hands? And that first section that we were just looking at speaks to the fact of the text that we receive our Bible from today, the King James Version. The received text is where it comes from. And now jumping to how that was translated into the English that we have today, Matthew 4, 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Therefore, not only must every word be properly preserved through the centuries, but also precisely translated. And the King James Version was translated with the formal equivalence method. Formal equivalence is taking the word in the original and expressing it using an English word, or sometimes words, to express the equivalent. Formal equivalence brings out the translation word for word. The King James Version is from the received text, and it is translated with the correct method. Webster's Dictionary gives the definition of translation, and that, tra that definition of what translation is, is it is an exact rendering from one language to another. This place is the King James Version of the Bible that we have today, having not only the proper textual source, the received text, but also the proper translation method. God's word is never to be lost or replaced. What is the result of removing or replacing the very words of God? One major result is changing doctrine. But we have, as we see from our passage here, we have the pure words of God. King James Version is God's preserved, and it's His perfect word for the English-speaking people because it 
receives full support from textual and translational issues. The text of the Bible must be preserved from generation to generation. The correct translation method must be applied to the text, and sound doctrine must be preserved. While all other versions fall short, the King James Version wholly meets these requirements. Even though scores of other versions are available, the choice is simple. As we look at God's Word, being pure, it behooves us to choose the Bible that God has preserved through His people and protected by thorough translation in order to hold forth the sound doctrine given by the Holy Spirit. Whenever we come to this passage and we see this verse and we read about the pure words of God as silver tried in the furnace of fire, purified seven times, what a precious gift that we've been given. The pure words of God. And not only that, these pure words are for us today in our hands. As we move down through this passage here, we see what God has done. And the scriptures say in verse 7, I want to call your attention back to the fact that we begin with those who are seeking help from God. They say, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail. And because of the ungodly, because of the afflictions and the oppressions of the world, we find in verse 5 that they are poor and needy. And God says, I will arise. And when God speaks, we know to listen. When God speaks, we know that we can rest in Him. When God speaks, we can trust in Him. Why? Because in contrast to the evil and in contrast to the ungodly man and the faithless man, God's words are pure. Now look what this means for the child of God. Because God's words are pure, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. When we call out to help for God to help us, note in verse 7, He keeps us and He preserves us. And what a wonderful thing that is. I think of that word kept that's given. We, we can look over at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, and we see God's expanding upon that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, we read about that salvation that has been given us. It, verse number 4 talks about the inheritance that we received. It's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fadeth not away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Those are pure words, by the way. You can take them as God has given them, and they are a truth that we ought to have, a pure and holy and perfect truth for us. In verse number 5, speaking of those who have received Christ, who have received this inheritance incorruptible, Verse number 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be received in the last time. I'm grateful that we are kept by the power of God. We are kept by the power of God. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, He will keep the feet of His saints. He will keep the feet of His saints. God is willing and able and faithful to keep us to keep us, despite our fallings, despite our failings, despite our, um, our need that comes about, despite the fact that we are poor and needy, God has said with His pure words that He will keep us. Notice also, He says, Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm chapter 145, verse 20 says this, The Lord preserveth all them that love Him, but all the wicked shall He destroy. And I was reminded of this verse, which we've memorized not too long ago, but Jude chapter 1 and verse 1. 
I know all the junior church students have this memorized. They can rattle it off to you in a second. I'm going to turn there because it's harder to say verses from memory in front of people. Jude chapter 1, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. I'm so thankful that I am preserved in Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that not only am I preserved in Jesus Christ, but I can trust in that fact, I can rest in that fact, I can go to sleep and put my head on the pillow at night, and I can know that I am preserved and that I am kept by Jesus Christ. I am grateful that whenever I am around the lost that speak of fear of death, and they speak of the fear of an eternity to come and the possibility of not knowing their eternal destination, I am thankful to know that as a child of God who has called out for help and has put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that I have the pure and precious words of God. They're pure, they're holy, they're without lie, they're without double tongue, they're without flattery, and I have the pure word of God that tells me that I am preserved and kept by the work of Jesus Christ. And so whenever those things come up and those conversations come about and the ungodly man speaks and the, the, faith, the faithless are speaking, I am grateful that I have the pure words of God to hold on to and I don't have to take hold of the ungodly man's words, the vanity, the flattery, the proud words that come from the children of men. As we look at, to, at all this keeping and preserving work that God does for us, consider this. The reason that I know, the reason that you can know that you are kept and that you are preserved, it is because God has preserved His Word for you and I today. Think about that. If God had not preserved this book for us today, if God had not preserved the Word of God for us today, His pure words, I could not rest in His preservation. I could not rest in the fact that He keeps me through Jesus Christ, but God has preserved His Word for me today. And as we look to the Word of God, we can literally hold this and say, this is what God says. God says this. This is the Word of God. And the truths that are contained within are true, and they're pure, and they're righteous altogether. And they're a help to me, and it, they can be a help to you, and they're a help through, to us as we walk through our daily life. It is not a stretch to say that if God can preserve those who call on Him for salvation, that He has preserved His every pure and precious word. I'm amazed. I was listening to a, I guess it was a podcast of sorts. I don't even know how I got listening to it because of how, where the conversation ended up going to. And they were talking about how, it was the last time I ever listened to the podcast, I guess, but um, they were speaking about the fact of how God's Word is not preserved for us today. And they were using that because they were coming against the King James Version of the Bible, and they are saying, well, God's Word is not really preserved for us today, so it just is, um, it's up to us to, you know, make the best decisions, and, you know, there's all these different um, options out there for us to choose and so forth, and I thought, wow, that's crazy. And that was basically where I realized that I was going to disagree with the rest of the thing, and I don't even know who these people were. But the fact is, if we're going to believe that God is going to preserve and keep us, 
If I can rest in my salvation, then I can surely rest in the fact that God has preserved his pure and precious word for you and I today. Are you kept and preserved by the power of God? Are you kept and preserved by his power? Note, we started out the passage, it says help. Maybe there's a young person here today. You don't have to be young. You could be any stage in life. The fact is that God desires to hear us call to him help. Whether you're a child of God or whether you have not come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, God desires for you to call out to him and help. I would note here that in this passage we see that it takes something from a man to be able to call out and help. It is not the proud man. It is not the man with the flattering lips. It is not those that are in rebellion to God that are calling out for help. You see, it takes humility to call out and help. It takes you understanding and seeing the need that you are in need of help. And our first call to God for help ought to be that call whenever we call upon the name of the Lord that we can be saved. I would encourage anyone that is here tonight that has not done so, that has not cried out for help that God has provided and given. And I would note here, it's, it's interesting to note that oftentimes the things that we cry out to help for, God has already made the provision to answer for. I think about my salvation. God had long before I ever entered this world, God had long before I ever called out or recognized that I even needed to cry out for help, God had already made the way and answered. But God, in verse 5, is moved, and he is moved, and his cause is to help those that are crying to him. My friend, are you coming to God with your needs and crying out to him help? That is what he is there for. That is what he has promised to do. And the cry of the poor and needy is the cry that God desires to help. And that is the cry that moves God to action. And he says, now will I arise, and whenever God speaks, we can trust his pure word. Judgment will come. The consideration is, have you called out with repentance to God and faith towards Jesus Christ? There is no other way your heart will be purified than through faith. Acts chapter 15, verse 9. Paul, I believe, is preaching there. And he asks them, and he's calling to the people there, and he says, Purify your hearts through faith. And the question for us to consider tonight is, as we hold in our hands, as we have the pure word of God, the precious word of God, and it's so pure that it cannot be purified anymore because, as we see there, it is purified seven times. That's the picture that's given. Not that God's words needed purified any further. It was just the fact that God's words, as they are presented to us, are so pure that there is silver that can be, not be purified any farther. There is nothing left, no impurity remaining. And that is the word that you hold in your hands. That is the word that, of God that sits on our nightstand at night. It's the word of God that we have access to each and every day. We don't need a priest or anyone to, to translate, and we don't need any of that. We have God's written word for us today. And I'd ask you, are you going to God for help? For his words are pure. And his help is there for those who will simply call on him for help. And God's word truly is our help. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at 
P.O. Box 126541, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 17112. And visit our website at www.svbcpa.org. Until next time.